Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Almighty God, may your word speak to our hearts this morning so that our minds and souls turn towards the path that leads to your faithful and loving presence. Amen. Change sparked by love. One of the few things that we can be certain about in life is change. Whether we like it or not, things are constantly changing. We may want certain situations to stay the same, but of course they don't. And we can take comfort in knowing that those situations that we don't like will also eventually change. We need to somehow learn how to live with a positive attitude in the midst of changes that we encounter and to also facilitate the kinds of changes that we think are positive. Sometimes this is not so straightforward. There's a story of an old farmer who used a horse to work his crops with his son. One day the horse ran away and the farmer was worried that he wouldn't be able to harvest the crops in time. But the next morning, the horse returned with three other wild horses. Excited at the prospect of bringing in the crops much faster and with new horses, the farmer and his son corralled them and started to train them. But his son was thrown off, <clears throat> excuse me, was thrown off of one of the new horses and broke his leg. Now the farmer was worried that he wouldn't be able to harvest his crops with his son. He wasn't sure he'd be able to get everything done in time before the crops needed to come in. Well, the next day, a military official came to the village to draft all the young men in the surrounding area to fight for the army in this long, difficult campaign. But they passed over the farmer's son because he had a broken leg. The farmer's circumstances constantly changed and events that seemed to be difficult setbacks turned out to be blessings in disguise. And good fortunes sometimes came with unexpected challenges. In our passage this morning, <clears throat> we hear Mary sing the great changes that God has accomplished in her personal life and for all of Israel. Mary had earlier encountered the angel Gabriel <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Gabriel had told her <clears throat> that she was going to become pregnant and she would name her new child Jesus. Now, when she first saw Gabriel, the angel told her to not be afraid. But the passage doesn't say that she ever was afraid. Verse 29 of chapter 1 in Luke says, she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be, but it never says that she was afraid. Mary's response to Gabriel's announcement, according to Luke, was one of wonder. Most of the reactions to a visit from an angel are described in the Bible as responses of dread and fear, such as this response of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. When Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, Luke tells us that he was, quote, terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But this was not the case for Mary. Mary, however, did seem to have doubts about the message from Gabriel. She asked the angel how she could possibly have a child when she had never been with a man. 
And unlike the response given to Zechariah when he questioned Gabriel and was subsequently made mute, Gabriel offered Mary an explanation. He said that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her. Gabriel, Gabriel offered the pregnancy of Mary's much older relative, Elizabeth, as evidence that her interaction with Gabriel truly did happen. After all, she had just had this vision and she wondered if it was real. This is when Mary decided to visit Elizabeth. Mary told Gabriel that she had accepted the role of being the virgin mother, but she wanted to confirm her experience wasn't just a dream. After all, it must have been a very unusual experience, and there was nobody around who could confirm that she really did have that conversation with the angel. Her visit with Elizabeth, however, offered proof that she was truly with Gabriel, and she had spoken with the angel, and she can trust the message that was delivered to her. When Mary greeted Elizabeth, Elizabeth's baby, who would later again come to be known as John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why has the Lord happened? Why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? In her moment of inspiration by the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth was made aware that Mary's child would become her Lord. At this point, Mary seems to be fully convinced that she will conceive a son, and she sings her song of praise, also known as the Magnificat. This is the passage that was sung earlier and was read earlier, and it bears a resemblance <clears throat> to the song by Hannah, written in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Hannah was the mother of a prophet, Samuel, and her conception of Samuel was considered a gift from God. After several years of marriage, Hannah was unable to conceive, but after a prayer, <clears throat> a promise to dedicate her son to the temple, and a blessing from the priest Eli, she bore a son who she gave to Eli to serve in the temple. In Hannah's song, she celebrates the wonder, the wonderful things that God has done for Israel. <clears throat> and she praises the way God works in the world by raising the poor, breaking the, bow, the bows of the mighty, and giving strength to the feeble. These are the same kinds of things that Mary describes in the Magnificat. As the mother of Christ, Mary rejoices at her chance to serve God as the one who brings the physical expression of God's Son into this world. She knows that she will be admired by future generations for her special calling as the mother of Jesus. And she is grateful for the wisdom of God that has initiated such a dramatic change through a lowly, unwed peasant girl. Through this relatively unknown girl, God brings into the world the person of Christ who knows and embodies the true nature of God and who will usher in a new era, not only for the Jews, but also for all of humanity. Jesus will grow into the man who teaches a new way of living and serving in the world. And he will use his own life to demonstrate to all of us of what a perfect leader does and is. Jesus will also conquer death itself 
through his crucifixion and resurrection, initiating the greatest change of all time. Christ is the most powerful figure in human history, yet he comes into the world as a defenseless child to a young woman who's at risk of being ostracized by her community because of her status as an unwed teenage mother. Mary lifts up such irony in her song as she described how God has scattered the proud of the thoughts of their hearts, brought down the powerful from their thrones, and lifted up the lowly, and has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. These are the kinds of changes that we often relish. Most of us love to see the underdog win and the proud put into place. You can see it in our movies and hear it in our songs and even recognize it in the way we root for our sports teams. Some celebrities have complained that our culture does this so much that it seems like we often build people up just to cut them down to size later. But I don't think our purpose is to satisfy some thirst for vindictiveness so much as a desire. Each of these traits that are being portrayed as negative have an injustice associated with them. Being proud can imply that someone else is belittled. The powerful are recognized as those who have the ability to force their will upon others. And the rich sometimes exist in their favorite status by accumulating and hoarding the good things of life, withholding them from the poor and the hungry. When we see these behaviors, we naturally favor the kinds of changes that result in justice being served. Not to mention the desire to see people that are rewarded for their determination and hard work. Within the context of our passage today, it's particularly poignant to note that God initiated these changes, not through violence, but through the birth of an innocent child. This is a child that will grow into a man who is powerful and capable of acquiring whatever he needs, whenever he wants. And he also lives a very humble life. During his lifetime, he lifted up the lowly and filled the hungry with good things. Yet he allowed himself to be humiliated on the cross. Christ's example demonstrated for us how to live holy lives, including the proper reaction of humility in response to God's goodness. God brought Jesus into the world as a gift to humanity and a means of salvation. Throughout this Advent season, <clears throat> we have held on to the hope of this salvation by reflecting on the birth of the Christ child. As in any birth, joy is piqued by waiting, and love is shown by the tenderness and care devoted to the child and to the mother. In some sense, every birth can be a sign of salvation, of finding favor, of being blessed, of living with promise, and of realizing its fulfillment. The experience of Israel and Jesus can be thought of as an extension of those same realities. How appropriate it was for Gabriel to use the sign of Elizabeth's pregnancy as a means of confirming to Mary that the message that she would be the mother of the Christ child was true. The theme for this final week of Advent is love. And we can see how love ties together everything. 
The Gospel of John tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. God also trusted Mary to love the baby Jesus and care for him as a child, so that he would grow up to serve as the Messiah when he became an adult. And Jesus showed humanity how to love God with all our hearts and souls and minds and how to love our neighbors as ourselves. Love, the final theme of Advent, is the inspiration behind the entire gospel message. It goes full circle. By focusing on love, we avoid the, pitfall, the pitfalls of pride and greed. And we can get an idea of how to deal with the changes of life that we always experience. Like the farmer we talked about earlier, we all experience those changes that are sometimes blessings in disguise, but also can lead to unexpected challenges. Although most of life is filled with changes, the one constant that we can count on is love. Christ has always loved us and promises to offer a path back into relationship with him when our love fails through his grace. By remembering love throughout the seed of changes that we experience, the love of God and the love of neighbor, we can spark the kinds of changes that will lead us to a life filled with hope, peace, joy, and of course, love. Amen.